Yes. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show and podcast offers listeners an insider's view into the commonalities of successful people and the ups and downs of risk-taking. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Sun Gray. My guest today is a self-made man with a Cinderella story. Throw out all the misconceptions about stoic bankers, because he ain't nothing like the bankers I've ever met. Yes, he looks good in a suit, but his success story begins in the beauty parlor. Meet Mr. Arlo Washington, founder, CEO, and president of People Trust Loan Fund, a nonprofit that helps small businesses in low-end communities. Arlo grew up watching his mother, a beautician, service her community not just by washing, cutting, and braiding hair, but also by listening, mentoring, and supporting her clients in an emotional way that was important. Arlo was drawn to the profession. After a mere two years in the business of barbering, he launched his own shop, grew the ongoing concern to four locations employing 27 people. Never one to rest on his laurels, young Arlo founded Washington Barber College, where his listening skills paid off in a monetary and caring way. As an employer, Mr. Washington heard and learned firsthand what the term unbanked meant and how the lack of financial literacy and access to affordable credit was crippling too many impoverished people in the neighborhoods he grew up in. With the help of the Winthrop Rockefeller Foundation, Mr. Washington founded the People Trust Loan Fund. To date, he has awarded over 2,000 small loans for, of course, business startups, but also for non-traditional help, things you might take for granted like transportation, child care, housing, and emergency expenses. It is my pleasure to welcome to the table the visionary and caring self-made financier and entrepreneur, Mr. Arlo Washington. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I got to tell our listeners how I know you, and I just met you. It's nice to meet you. Likewise. But I got to tell our listeners that my husband, you bought a flagpole for your bank. Absolutely. Is it a bank? It is. Well, you know what? It's not a bank. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a loan fund. So uh, we are a um, community development financial institution so we are a financial institution uh we we look like a bank but we are we don't take deposits so uh, that is that makes the difference between you know bank and and loan fund and and loan funds were uh created in you know direct response to uh the community uh, uh civil rights act of 1964-77 and uh, i was born in 77 actually but um out of that there was a cra which is community reinvestment act and then in Bill Clinton and Al Gore in 1994 um, uh, established the RIGO Community Development Act, which established the CDFI fund, which certifies CDFIs nationwide. So we and CDFI are stands for Community Development Financial Institution. So that's that's how you know. Uh, so, but like you know, because we do loans and we provide financial services, then you know people immediately associate uh, community development financial institution. With a traditional bank. Yeah, they lump you in there, but you're not traditional. No, no, no. So uh, I met you, or actually I've come to meet you because yes. you met my husband because he bought a flagpole uh-huh. for your financial institution. And when he came home, he just could not quit bragging about you and what a nice really? guy. And then y'all oh, gotten wow. to know each yeah, other. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, y'all gotten yeah, to love, know each love other. Grady. Thank you. So he yeah. said, I think you really need to interview Arlo. Yeah. So let's talk about <laughs> your life and growing okay. up. Okay. You grew up in Highland Court, North Little Rock. Well, you know Highland Court uh, actually was is on 12th Street, which is in the 12th Street core, um, and uh, kind of close to the Central High School area. Uh, now, in in is it close to the zoo? Yeah, right across the street from where uh, Memorial Stadium and the zoo. Okay, that's Highland Court. Yeah, Highland Court. It's Madison Heights now. Oh, okay. And so I lived there. You know, uh, my young grew up in that neighborhood when I was born. Matter of fact, I was just driving through the other day and we passed a, a house my grandmother had um 16 children and so um so she had she, she are y'all she, catholic or she just doesn't believe in or she just didn't have access to birth control you know this is back in the days you know when they we you know they you know they would they were having babies baby factories but I'm uh, telling you. but uh you know so my mother had me when she was 16 
Um, and so when she brought me home, um, my grandmother, you know, uh, told her, you know, she had to, it was too many, it was too many people in the house. So she had to, she dropped out of school. She's in 10th grade. Um, thank God she didn't abort me, but she dropped out of school in 10th grade. And my grandmother, you know, told her she would have to take care of her son now. And so, um, she got her an apartment and it was in, uh, Highland Court. It was right there on, um, it's right on 12th street. So it was mm-hmm. right around the corner from where my, my grandmother lived. Um, she was on Pine Street, so it was uh, 16th and Pine, if I mm-hmm. remember correctly. I was a baby, so, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but anyways, I grew up there. Um, but describe, I didn't, describe your neighborhood. My neighborhood was a housing, low-income housing project. Talk about gener- gener- uh, generational, generational poverty. Generational you talk poverty. a lot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Generational poverty is, uh, of course, uh, poverty that's passed down from generation to generation. It's and a mentality. It's a mentality. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mentality that's passed down from generation to generation. Um the reason the Civil Rights you know, Act came about was so that people would get you know, equal rights with um, finances, financial products, services, things of that nature, uh, affordable housing. And you know, um, there was just needing to be some laws in place to kind of help make sure that there was equity. And so um, you know, my family experienced generational poverty. I you know, grew up in a single-parent home. Um, and you know, I didn't know any different because that's just all I knew. And as I got older and started to look around and started saying, hey, you know, it looks different in my neighborhood versus if I go to where, uh, for example, um, you know, where my dad lived. You know, my had two great parents. They were never never married, but, um, you know, two good people. And they're both deceased today. Um, but where did your dad live? Well, he lived off in John Barrow community. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, it looked different than if mm-hmm. back then. It was it looks a lot, looked a lot different than if I was on 12th street, you know, in Highland court, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, we also lived, we moved around quite a bit. So I moved, I lived all over central Arkansas. Um, we lived in the South end, we lived in the East end, you know, so, so your mother's, uh, profession, her profession, um, she was a professional student for a while and then she, but, but she started off doing phlebotomy. So after she got out, got What's it, we drawing blood at St. Vincent. She was oh, really? at St. Vincent drawing blood. I thought she was a beautician. Well, she, she braided hair as a, as a side hustle. So she had a side hustle and she braided hair, you know, the neighborhood family members would all come to her and she would braid their hair. What was it about that you liked? Well, I just liked the, you know, the personal, you know, touch. Uh, It was always, uh, you know, great conversations and, and just, you know, if there was some issues that needed to be, somebody needed to vent and talk, then, you know, she would be a, a, a ear to listen to them or a shoulder to cry on. And, uh, you know, cause it take, it take, you know, it took about the type of braids she did would take about anywhere from six to eight hours to do. So they'd be oh. there, sitting there getting braids and talking and, you know, sharing the relationship stories or maybe hardships they were having, you know, with their with their uh, finances or, you know, housing arrangement, you know, mm-hmm. things of that nature. So, you know, I got a chance to see a lot of that. She died early, didn't she? How she died. You? I was 17 when my mother passed away. Um, and it was two years, two, two, two and a half years after she uh, graduated from Philander Smith College. Um, she uh, was diagnosed with cervical cancer, and they didn't have all the technology that they mm-hmm. have today mm-hmm. with that. Night. And it was matter of fact, uh, car tie was just being started whenever, um, whenever she was, you know, was mm-hmm. going through that. And so she she passed away. Of course, that was, you know, part of my heart ripped out, you know, because I was a single child for you know nine years, and then um, had my sister Joy, which is eleven, and then my sister Tara. Who took care uh, of them? Uh, my aunt, my aunt. When my mother passed away, my aunt took care of them. You Did know, you go I, live with your aunt? No, I did. I didn't. I was, you know, I was, um, you know, very, you know, independent and 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 really set on being making a success and doing something with my did life. Did you spend so a lot of time in church? I did. Did your mother did. spend a lot of time? She in did. She did. She taught me to pray at an early age. What did, I I read something where you said when your mother said you were asking her why she did hair. Yeah. And she said, when God blesses you, you bless others. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely right. So where'd you go to college, or did you? Well, I went to college for a year out of high school to uh, UAPB, uh, University of Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and then uh, went there for a semester, and and, uh, then I figured I'd come close to home, so I uh, went to uh, ULR for a little while. And then I decided I wanted to move to New York and and become a, a supermodel. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Told you he's got game. The dream. I did. Yeah, right. (laughs) I did. So I left. I took a, you know, I was working at Lens Crafters on Park Plaza Mall. Transferred my job to uh, the Mall of Manhattan, and and I had a 
old Mustang, a 68 Mustang. I sold it for about 1300 bucks. took the $1,000, moved to New York, and I rented a room for my brother's girlfriend's aunt. And oh. uh, seventy five bucks a week. And she know. let you? Yeah, she let me. You know, she was she was an older 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 lady and um, very nice. And I learned a lot from her. And oh, but uh, so nice. I went and you know went to Bushwick in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York. And that why'd was a you come? Big home? shell shock. Well, I wanted to come home because you know again my mother passed when I was seventeen, and she asked me what I wanted to do with my life, and and uh, you know I told her I wanted to be a, a coach because I. I had dreams of making it to the NBA as well, but you know I would, didn't get tall enough, and I'd started late, so I couldn't. I couldn't. I, 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 I didn't make the cut. Well, tell the story about when you started working for Mr. Roy. Mr. Roy. Okay, so Roy Royale's Barbershop. Uh, Royale's Barbershop. When I was a kid, I used to go to Mr. Uh, Royale's Barbershop, which was on um, what was that Broadway? It was on Broadway Street, um, and I used to go in there and sweep hair to earn a haircut. You know what I mean? Because we couldn't afford to get haircuts every week. But I would go over there because my cousin, he would go all the time to get his haircuts. So I just was tag along. And when I go there, I'd sweep up around the shop to uh, earn enough to get me a haircut as well. And so Mr. Roy was generous and allowed me to be able to do that. And uh, I would sit there, you know, all day. It was very fun hearing Mr. Roy crack jokes. And he was a very colorful guy and how he uh, did it. And he always pulled out a big wad of money whenever he was giving people change. And I said, man, Mr. Roy, he, and he wore a doctor's jacket. I said, man, his, you know, his barber thing is uh, pretty, pretty, pretty exciting. That's and I just said, you know, hearing stories, you know, community members sharing and things of that nature, I always, you know. Is that when you decided? Well, I decided when I was sitting there in the barbershop waiting on a haircut, um, and I had waited all day long. Um, and I, it was my, I was up next, and the gentleman came through the door in a rush, and he said, uh, he, he said he would pay for my haircut, and he would give me $30 on top of it because he needed to get to where he – If you let him take your If I let him take my spot. So, of course, I let him take the spot. Yeah. You know, and it, and it changed my life because I'll never forget it because at the time I was like, man, you know, it was 30 bucks, was lots of money. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so he gave me the 30 bucks. I and, You know, he went in front of me, and I ended up um, – but that at that point I said, you know, barbering is uh, the way I want to go. But you went to but you went on off to New York before you did it. I did, I did. I went to New York before I did it because I, you know, I didn't know anything about barber colleges at the time. I didn't know that there was a barber school that you could go to. Um, so I just thought I didn't know how you got, you know, did it. So, um, but you know, and then I was intrigued with the modeling profession, and I wanted to be a, you know, uh, a six, you know, overnight success. Uh-huh. But uh, and so I, that's why I figured I had to go to where that was at, and that was in New York. And I did get a chance to do some modeling, uh, but working at Lens Crafters because I transferred my job there, I couldn't go to go season castings, and so um, I was like, man, I didn't really, you know, come here to just do this. You know, I want to get into the field, modeling field, and really, you know, go ahead and get this, get it going. And so um, I ended up uh, coming back home to Arkansas to get my barber license. Found out about a New Tyler Barber College where I would go to school and. Went there for a year with it on my mind to go back to New York to, uh, you know, pursue, continue pursuing the modeling career. And I would just use barbering to support me as I was doing that. So you are 19. I'm, I'm 19 years old. You're cutting hair. I'm cutting hair. And you'd say, well, I think I'll just start my own barbershop. Well, How well, did that happen? Well, what happened is um, I, I, I ended up coming back home because I... I I was in New York, um, and I made it, you know, through, went through some, some, some tough times, um, experienced being homeless for about three weeks, three, four weeks, you know, living, sleeping in the barbershop and things of that nature. And that did happen because when I came back to Arkansas, my room was already gone. So when I came back and moved my aunt, she lived in the 12th Street community as well, and, uh, or the 12th Street Corps, um, and, and, and she had a back room. I lived with her for about uh, maybe three months. You know, long enough for me to get in the barbershop and get some clientele and get my, you know, get on my feet. And um, I had a friend of mine which had a, a flawless hair, hair studio, Chio Clark, uh, had a barbershop. We grew up together. So, you know, I went to his barbershop and, and I was his barber. So he, was, you know, was like, hey, you should come and work at my shop. Well, his shop was right there on, it's the laundromat now on 12th Street, but it was right there in that laundromat. And I had learned so much when I was in New York, you know, how to use a straight razor and things of that nature and, and a lot of techniques that, you know, wasn't happening here. And so when I introduced those skill sets here in this market, it really blew up and uh, made a name for myself really quickly. And uh, two years later, um, I just, you know, I was like, 
I, I had went decided to go back to college. I was like, well, I told my mom I was going to be a coach. So I need to go and get that. You know, and then when you're young, you know, you're trying to find your way and really build a foundation for yourself. So you're trying things. You don't. You tried a lot. Yeah, Coaching, yeah. modeling, oh, barbering. Uh, yeah, 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 right. Uh-huh. Serial, serial. <laughs> All in the course of like two years. Yeah. yeah. So, so um, went to slow UL- down, Arlo. Slow down. I was at, I enrolled in ULR, um, and didn't know anything about you know starting a business. Oh, didn't have a big savings college. account. Yeah, again, tried it again. Didn't have a big you know savings account or anything. Didn't know anything. I was unbanked uh, at the time. I love that. Term. And um, and so. I, you know, you have, they have this thing, financial aid, at, when you're in school, and you can get a Pell Grant, you can get a student loan. Mm-hmm. That's the only loan that I knew, because that's all I had seen my mom get in school was, you know, direct loans through her college. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking that's the only place you go for a loan. Mm-hmm. You think about going to a bank for a loan. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother was unbanked as well. You know, she kept her money under her mattress. And so, uh, so that's how I kind of, I understand uh, unbanked, that, that, that mentality. Did you make that, that up? What? That word unbanked. No, I didn't make it. Because when I'm read, I've never. Have you I was heard gonna that? I going to say I don't. I have never heard it before. So yeah. that's because we don't have. We are banked. Yeah. If you were right, yeah. unbanked and you lived where Arlo lived, you would know that word. And so when I'm reading about Arlo, he keeps talking about the unbanked, and I'm like, yeah. we got to tell people what that means. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So unbanked. Unbanked means means you don't have any money you, in a bank. You don't have your money in a bank. You don't even know how to use a bank. You don't even know how to use a bank. You don't even think about. It's a cash life. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a whole different lifestyle, you know. Um, and it actually costs more to be unbanked than it does to be banked. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So because, you know, I was, we did a, a study um, where we, you know, went into banks and we went to try and, you know, um, open up accounts, um, uh, went to grocery stores to try and get a money order. You know, just simple financial transactions, you know, expensive. And not only that, you know, you think about the gas. Uh, prices of driving around to different places and time know. is money the long lines when you're waiting time you know, is money and absolutely. fees absolutely. absolutely so i got I, I got a student loan uh 1750 i still remember um i gotta interrupt here what is your years. special technique that you do with the razors oh the razor uh-huh what's oh. the special technique so you brought the, back here that yeah so does? the hairline the razor line the razor line so you, know, you can take a razor get a hot lather shave with it you can uh-huh. shave your bald head uh-huh. or you can you know get a line uh-huh. and so just really a real defined oh, real, real defined line. defined line when you can see it's like somebody drew it on your head that's you yeah you started that? yeah i did i, know. I, did, I did tim used to get that yeah. a friend of mine yeah mm, i yeah. know exactly what you're talking about yeah. okay, and go so ahead. and so uh you know now I, I can't i didn't you know patent out anything like oh, yeah, that everybody's but, but i mean everybody's now. doing now well, that's the highest compliments to be copied. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's a good thing. I'm glad that I could be an influence, good influence. Um, okay, so, so now you're at school. So now I'm at, so now no, borrowing no, money actually, from well, actually school. I borrow money from you know I got a student direct loan. I use that money. I'm walking down the sidewalk and I'm like, man, you know, this is uh, more money than I have, I, you know, had you know at one time. You know, I need to do something with this. You know, I, uh-huh. if I want to, you know, build a foundation then I need to do something with this. I need to, you know, invest it some kind of way. And I was thinking, well, you know, I'm already cutting hair. I might as well just, you know, uh, and one of my customers, you know, your customers are great. My customer told me, he said, hey, he said, you know, you got all the stuff you're doing, all the stuff. He said, why don't you just expand what you're already doing? You already got clientele. You got me coming and getting my haircut. You got all these folks loving your haircuts. Why don't you just expand what you're doing? And I said, well, then the light bulb went off. And I was like, well, that's, that's what I'll do. And, uh, you know, Expanding is, you know, going from working at a barbershop to now starting your own barbershop and employing others. So you went to City Hall and got a permit? I went to City Hall, got a permit, learned, went through that whole process, learned about getting a business license, learned about going to the Secretary of State, getting incorporated and things of that nature. You know, I was just kind of found a location, found a location, location. I could afford the location. You know, I took the seventeen hundred dollars and, you know, I was able to put four hundred and fifty bucks down on a deposit at the time. You know, (laughs) that was two thousand and two thousand. You know, we're in twenty twenty two now. How'd you buy a barber chair? Well, somebody loaned me the barber chair. You know, I had a guy that that I know somebody that knows somebody and then they loaned me. They knew I was opening up a barbershop so they said hey i'll loan you the barber chair just pay me when you make what the about money. those wash sink the shampoo bowls uh you know i, I bought it on secondary market for mm-hmm. 50 bucks how you know? many people were with your store when you opened the door just me and then you grew it to four you grew locations it to, i grew it grew it to four locations how long did that take uh, over a two-year period you grew four locations over a two-year period mm-hmm. 27 employees. maybe three let's say three years so you took the loan that the Government gave you for school. Yes. And you and that was okay? 
They never followed up on you on well, that? Well, the thing is, you know, it's for educational purposes and at the time, you know, uh, but in, in, in they applied whatever I had to my tuition, but then the overage is for your oh, living expense. The overage. Yeah, and my yeah, living yeah, expense yeah, yeah. was, you know, for me to survive. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, if I, yeah. you know, I could either go to Kroger and pay it all up at the grocery store, I could invest it in a business and, mm-hmm. and eat for a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. That's what us entrepreneurs do. So I leveraged do. it. You didn't take that and go out and get uh, your nails done and And get a whole a, living room set. And, and get a living room mm-hmm. set. Yeah, I do mm-hmm. not do that. I know people that do that. No, I needed to, to stretch it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not going to mention any names. Yeah, good. good. <laughs> don't, mean, don't do it. Don't yeah. mention it. Please don't. <laughs> Please. <laughs> so, you know, um, yeah. when I think about barbers mm-hmm. and the community yeah. and how important they are to the black community. Oh, yeah. And do you think it's a safe place for black men to talk about mental health? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because they, you know, they have an opportunity to, you know, when you, if I, if you cut, if I cut your hair, you trust me. You know, you're not, you don't let anybody, I mean, look how pretty your hair is. You don't let anybody just do your hair. You probably you are so stylish. right about that. You yeah. Know, we could go, you know, a whole extra 30 minutes of this interview yeah. just about that. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, uh, you know, a good barber is like a needle in the haystack. You know, when you find them, you hold on to them, mm-hmm. build their relationships. So that profession is all about relationships. Uh, and so, yes, absolutely. Mental health is, uh, you know, I've, I've provided counseling and therapy to And know, so thousands. many of them are, in, you, you, you get to pass on to people who have just been incarcerated. They've oh, just yeah. gotten out. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have that, uh, what did you call it? Uh, P- PTSD or? Yeah, PTSD yeah. for sure from being in jail. Absolutely. And then and then that legacy of hopelessness. Oh, absolutely. That comes from. Mm-hmm. From generations, Gener- generational you, poverty, you, you, things of that nature that they, you know, and you have to kind of lift them up. I would imagine. Absolutely. Well, you take a little bit off on the outside to make them feel good on the inside. Oh, I like oh, that. I like. That. All right, this is a great place to take a break. <laughs> when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Mr. Arlo Washington, founder of Washington Barber College in Little Rock, Arkansas. We haven't even talked about that yet. And People's Trust Loan Fund, a nonprofit that helps small businesses in low-income communities. You're listening to Up in Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, along with Carrie's experience and leadership knowledge. In 2020, Carrie McCoy Enterprises acquired OurCornerMarket.com, an online company specializing in American-made plaques, signage, and memorials for over 20 years, and more recently opened a satellite office in Miami, Florida. Telling American-made stories... Selling American-made flags. TheFlagandBanner.com Back to you, Carrie. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Arlo Washington, the People's Trust Loan Fund, a man with compassion and ambition for himself and for the low-income communities whence he grew up. Arlo, I asked you before the thing, where does it come from? Well, and it came, it came you, from me. You were me. like, what's come from? Yeah, like, no, no, no. It's um, like that ambition. Where does it come from? My mom, you know, I'm a, I mean, you know, I saw her. I watched her sit up all night studying and had a goal on her mind to complete, you know, college, get her degree in social work. And, uh, and then I watched her, you know, you know go from receiving uh, funding from, you know, monthly uh, checks and food stamps from the Department of Human Services, you know, to working at the Department of Human Services. So she, and that. You know, there was an article uh, where it said, you know, welfare mom works her way to the other side of the desk. And um, in that oh, article, in that article, that. it mentions me in the article. Uh, I was 16 at the time when they did the article. Um, and so, you know, watching all of that and seeing her going to her graduation, you know, it, you know, it gave me um, some motivation to, you know, shoot for the stars. You know, mm-hmm. say if you shoot for the, what well, say, if shoot for the moon, you'll land among the stars. Oh, that's nice. And mm-hmm. so I always, you know, aimed high and, um, you know, had a lot of hope. So you're an inspiration to people who don't have a mother like that, I would think. I'm sure, because my mother was a mother to a lot of folks. Was she? Oh, yeah. She, uh, she, we would pick up, she would pick up foster kids and, you know, in the middle of the night um, and bring them to the house and, you know, do their hair and, you know, get them, you know take care of them just let them feel some love but i watched that as well so the social work aspect of it really you know uh impacted me and and really helped me to look at you know not just myself but look at others as well when i think of two adjectives for you i think of ambitious and compassionate and those Mm. together are great you're welcome so let's talk about so before the break we talked about your 
two years, 18 and 19, where you did like 20 <laughs> Lots jobs. Lots going on. Lots going lot, on. Lot of stuff and going uh, on. but but now you're cutting hair. You started yeah. your own business, yeah. Uh, yeah. and all of a sudden, the idea for uh, Washington Barber college comes yeah. about tell us how that happened okay so 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 in opening these barbershops we had to staff these barbershops right so whenever students were graduating barber college then i'd have to you know show them how to use the razor like we use it because we wanted our product to be the same and we wanted everything you know the name of the barbershop we wanted everything to uh, it was blessed phase barbershop at the time i thought it was washington well, oh, Washington Bar- Barber College. The barber shop Bar- was Blessed Fades Barber Shop. Oh, I love that name. Say yeah. it again. Blessed Fades. <laughs> yeah, it was Blessed Fades because I'm That's blessed. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. And it fades. And it fades. Yes, yeah, so these are Blessed, blessed Fades. fades. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Okay, yeah. go ahead. And so, and so, you know, we wanted that to be, we wanted, we wanted everybody, so we trained. So we had to spend time training, talking to them, teaching them how to, you know, technical Technical assistance. You know, I was providing technical assistance before I knew what technical assistance was, as well as financial education before I knew what financial education was. Just as a barber, though, you know, how you manage your money. You know, hey, if you if if you make a hundred bucks, you know, put back fifty bucks so that on your rainy days when it's not real busy, you know, you don't have to. You can go on your rainy day fund. And you don't have to worry about, hey, I didn't cut that many hairs a day. You'd be able to be sustainable. And so we would teach these skills. Uh, and just do spend a lot of time, you know, if they came through the door and they, you know, couldn't cut as good, then we would work with them and send them, you know, all of the head, all the little kids. And so, you know, it's more than just barber techniques. Yeah. Yeah. So that may that I'm like, hey, you know, we're training them. We may as well have a barber college and train them on the front end so that we could, you know, uh, train them and place them because now we farming our own barbers. So where'd you get the funding for that? So my my landlord at the time, Mark Carter, he really believed in what I was doing, and he saw how I was really building the business and how clean I ran the business, and um, and then you know there was a building that came available on 65th Street, and I you know I tried to go to the bank and um, get funding to purchase the building, or you know because the building was for sale, it wasn't for lease for sale. Oh, you're and gonna so, jump all the way yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, you know, hey, you know, but this building is a great location, has own park and everything. So. I told him about it, and uh, he's a real estate investor. I knew he was a real estate investor. So I said, hey, Mark, you know, I've been leasing from him for, you know, ever since I started. And um, he was like, well, he actually went and bought the building and then allowed me to buy it from him. I love Mark. Yeah, yeah. me too. Me too, Mark. Yeah, he, he, he um, you know. So you have two programs, the so, barber program, 1,500 mm-hmm. hours, and then the barber instructor program. Yes. Where you teach people to teach barbering. Yes. Is it still is your uh, Washington Barber College still functioning? still still going fifteen years strong? How oh good. How about yeah. your other shops? No, they're not. You Any know, of them? No, they're not. Uh, well, I, we have uh, one barber shop right now. It's Ivy League Barber Shop, and that's located on two hundred North Bowman Road, across from. Um, it's right next door to Lazy Pete's, uh, Instant Imprints, uh, Full Ends. It's in that shopping center. So if you want to go, so if you want to go to. Um, if you want to become a barber today, you can go to Washington Barber College. But what are the requirements? You got to have a high school yeah, you diploma. Have a high school diploma, high school diploma, or GED. Okay. Um, you have to have uh, uh, ID card, Social Security card. Sure. Uh, you have to. Um, do you provide have, financial aid? We do. We offer financial aid to those who qualify. We've been offering financial aid since 2012. How many people do you usually have enrolled at a time? Uh, anywhere in a year, we run about 75 to 100 students through. Really, and. When I was reading about it and looked at your curriculum, mm-hmm. it's more than just barber techniques. It's life skills. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, tell the story about how the man that came in and you gave him his first check. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we had a uh, you know, student, and this is what gave us the idea you know, to do, because um, People Trust was actually a, just a social organization, nonprofit, that was providing free haircuts to homeless individuals because the homeless individuals would give the students an opportunity to cut different textures of hair. Um, um, black, white, you know, straight, curly, coarse, fine, medium, all it, and so that gave us a good diversity, and it also helped the students to do some community as well to see that there were people out there that were less fortunate. So we would we would go and pick up these uh, individuals from Jericho Way, River City, you know, uh, different different homeless shelters, bring them to the college, provide them with sack lunches, provide them with free haircuts, and then take them back. Um, and that you know that that helped out a lot. Um, and then we had a student. Offering financial aid, you have to provide them with financial education. 
uh, before they actually sign on the dotted line. You know, you tell them what a loan is and that they have to pay it back. So you don't want to manage the default rate. Right. And so um, we had a student come in and he's re-entry. Uh, he's about 30, 32, 33 years old at the time. And um, we he had a refund check like I had when I got the seventeen fifty from ULR way back in the days. He got it. He had an overage. And so um, we cut the check uh, for the overage, and he asked he asked us, okay, what do I do with this? Had a check with the name on it. Check his name on it. 30 years old. 30 years old. 30, about 32, 33 at the time. Totally unbanked, never been in a bank, never dealt with a bank. Um, and he was like, what do I do with this? And he was afraid to go in the bank. So I had to go with him to the bank, walk him in there, introduce him to the to the bank teller, open up, help him open up his account, you know, and uh, from that point on, we were saying, hey, you know what, we don't want to produce barbers that go out and they're not able to be sustainable because they don't have the financial capacity to be able to, to grow to grow their business. And so that's when we said, well, you know, we need to really focus on financial education and making sure that, that they understand uh, and have those tools because, and then we noticed that there's just a huge need. You know, most of the students that qualify for financial aid, you know, are low income uh, or come from, uh, uh, you know, generational poverty, mm-hmm. things of that nature. So, um, you know, that opened the door up to us providing financial services. So when did the idea to open up the People's Trust Loan start? Is this so, when so it in happened? 20, in 2014, in 2014 uh, uh, one of my administrators, Artina Blackman, um, and myself, you know, we decided we, we formed a board. We formed a board. Uh, we changed the bylaws to, to uh, financial um financial institution to provide financial services so we went from an organization providing free haircuts and sack lunches to a financial institution uh in 2014 so like i said we started uh at that point uh tracking the loans that we're doing so in 2009 we didn't know in 2009 here's the deal Uh 2009 arkansas became a credit desert because payday lending was prohibited the law you know the state put a usury rate cap on at 17 percent at the time, there were 234 brick-and-mortar payday lenders operating within the state, over 200,000 Arkansans utilizing these services. And so when, they, when that law happened, it, it, it take, all the payday lenders left the state. But Is that a good or bad thing? Because they thought they were sharks. Well, they are. You know, it, they, they, predatory. It is predatory in nature. They're predatory in nature. But what happens to all those people that are unbanked? Right. They have nowhere else to go. And, I mean, if they can't qualify at a bank, they have to have an alternative, they have to have an alternative, alternative option. And to qualify at a bank, you have to have or they sink, or they sink deeper into poverty. Yeah, or to qualify at a bank, you have to have a minimum amount to put in the. Well, yeah, you have to have because banks are regulated institutions. Um, you're required to have a credit score. You know, credit criteria is uh, is is you know is considered in your application process. Um, you have to have some collateral. Uh, you have to have some 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 assets. You can you can open a bank account with a hundred dollars, can't you? Some places you can, some places you can open up, you can open an account, but then you have to maintain that hundred dollars, or yes, else right. if you don't, then you know you, the the service fees and other fees, mm-hmm. you know, that that go along with maintaining an account sometimes. So are you happy or sad about your getting rid of the, the payday? You know what? I'm uh, I'm 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 happy about it, but I just wish that uh, there would have been an alternative to come along with that. You know, if they, you like you take away, wasn't then, done with any solutions. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I mean, you take away access to capital and, and credit when when you're not going to provide it. Mm-hmm. So you, you get rid of the, the the sharks, the predatory lenders, which prey on low-income communities mm-hmm. uh, and, and unbanked populations, but then you didn't come back with a safer, more affordable, more flexible alternative. So, so that, that, you know, that's, that's my, th- but I guess it was our, it was, it was for us. That's how we emerged out of that unmet need because with Barber College is in the low and moderate income community. You know, we service these customers, been servicing them. We've been an anchor institution. So as you're... They started coming to us for loans. That's what I was going to say. So your barbershop said, okay, we'll start cashing your checks. No, we didn't cash checks right off. We just provided small loans. You just said, we'll start providing small, small dollar loans. Well, how do you collect on those loans? Well, at the time, you know, we're, we're sophisticated now a little bit, but uh, at the time it was just old school, you know, hey, you're going to, you know, character loans, you're going to, uh, you need to borrow this money until you can pay it back. You can pay it back in 30 days or whatever the case may be. They would borrow the 250 bucks at the time because I was funding it out mm-hmm. of my pocket. So mm-hmm. we didn't have any, you know, we didn't. Did they work for you? Well, they weren't profitable because our rates and terms, you know. No, had, I mean with the people that you loaned the money to. Were they not, working for you? No. 
No, no. These I mean, are, Arkansas these, Flag and Banner loans money to its employees, but yeah. we don't loan money to anybody else. Yeah, well, this was these were community members that 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 patronize our barber college. You know, they got their haircut. You know, we provide five dollar haircuts. So these same folks would come in, and you know, they lose a job or they, you know, need needing access to capital. They they would come in and say, hey, Mr. Washington, um, man, I'm sorry to 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 come to you with this, but man, I'm really in need right now. Is there any way I can borrow? You know, a hundred bucks until my until I get paid or or or. Did you ever get burned? Um, no, not 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 initially because it was a it was a it was a it was a trust code. You know, it was a it was like, hey, you know, I'm gonna do this for you, but you know, I need you to come back and pay me back. I ain't gonna do it no more. Yeah, you said character loan. Yeah, I like that it was a character, it was a character, character loan. Old school, loan. Old school character loan. So that's I mean, my first loan. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. my first. I'm, they called them signature loans, but it was just, yeah, you're a nice person. Right. Here's a thousand dollars. We talk about folks are working. You know, they're working and they and they trying. And, and so when did you decide to go from loaning character loans out of your barber college to there's something here? Well, as the demand began to grow, because, you know, after a year of, of doing that, you know, we started people telling people word of mouth started going around. And now we got, you know, people telling their family members and people showing up. And I'm like, hey, we need to look at if there's some programs out there with the government. To Were you charging us. interest? Yeah, five percent. Uh-huh. But I mean, that's not that wasn't that's profitable. Nothing. It no. wasn't sustainable. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even scalable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was just some social good. Um, and I mean, you know, it did what it did. You know, it helped us to build a track record though of lending, and that's how we were able to apply to the United States Treasury CDFI fund to become a CDFI. Wow, this is a great story, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm inspired. I this know, is right? Incredible. He's inspiring. Yeah. Uh, when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Mr. Arlo Washington, a young entrepreneur whose first business was a chain of barber shops, second business was Washington Barber College in Little Rock, Arkansas, and now his passion is a nonprofit, the People's Trust Loan Fund, a nonprofit, as I said, through the help of the Winthrop Rockefeller and the Department of Treasury CDFI funds helps fund small businesses in low-income communities. I want to remind everyone this show broadcasts every Friday at 2 p.m. on KABF 88.3 FM and Saturdays at 11 a.m. on 101.1 The Answer. Podcasts are always available wherever you like to listen, or you can watch the video on our Up In Your Business YouTube channel. More to come after the break. Let's talk about the biggest fundraiser that happens every year for the Dreamland Ballroom upstairs at Taborian Hall, the home of flagandbanner.com. And the next event has been set Saturday, February 11th. Tickets are already on sale at dreamlandballroom.org. Make sure you buy yours early. Get a table so you're right up front. And if you're interested in sponsoring Dancing into Dreamland, you can contact the director of the event, Matthew McCoy, right there at flagandbanner.com and ask him about sponsorship opportunities. Also, one more thing, volunteers are needed. The friends of Dreamland need plenty of help setting up and running and even breaking down the event afterwards. Again, Matthew McCoy can help you if you're interested in volunteer opportunities. But for sure, buy some tickets for Dreamland Ballrooms Dancing into Dreamland, February 11th, 2023. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with the creative entrepreneur, Mr. Arlo Washington, who went from barber to banker when he founded the People's Trust Loan Fund in Little Rock, Arkansas, which you explained at the beginning of the show is not really a bank because you don't take deposits. We're in the loan business. How are you smart enough to start something like this? I don't think I could. Well, I mean, you know. It's a lot of paper reading. You're not a lawyer. Well, I'm not a lawyer. Are you a graduate of college? I didn't graduate college. See how I I say kids don't go to college. Just don't go to college. (laughs) (laughs) Just work. Don't listen to my mother. Experience is the best teacher, you know, and and it's a lived experience. And so uh, having lived in that experience, understand what the credit needs are. And then also, uh, so we emerged. We we truly emerged out of an unmet credit need here in in Central Arkansas. Truly, yeah, we we emerged, and so and so when you when you emerge, then you know you 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 learn as you go. You know you you build a plane while you're flying it. It is a lot of technic technical reading, right? Oh yes, oh yes. I spent hours. So who did you go to? Well, because I was so into trying to have a solution to solve mm-hmm. a common problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just read articles. I, you know, read up, um, I joined, um, uh, organizations, uh, other CDFI organizations. Um, there were a lot of knowledge sharing. I went to conferences in Washington, DC. How did you even places. know about CDFI? I didn't know about any of that. Well, until I had today. a, I had an uncle that, that, that worked, um, as a security guard at a CDFI in Chicago. Oh, serendipity. And so when he came here and saw what, 
I was doing at the barber college, then he said, hey, you should look at uh, becoming a CDFI because, you know, you're fulfilling their mission. And I was like, man, I'm already, you know, regulated with the Department of Education and, you know, being a, a Title IV school and, and uh, you know, I don't really want to deal with any more, you know, a agencies. Nothing negative, but I just don't want the compliance and regulatory requirements of maintaining that uh, mm -hmm. st certification or status. And so uh, a couple years went by, you know, I started, I was working with um, a local state representative and, and some uh, other community members that were interested in having um, a financial institution. Uh, you know, we were all trying to, organizing, trying to figure out how we could, you know, do this. And then, you know, it kind of just was left with me and, you know, my one administrator to, and, 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 our, and, and our board that we had at, at the time. Was there anybody else doing it? In Arkansas? Was there another well, CDFI? Well, there, there, are, there are 19 CDFIs in the state. Uh, 15 of them are banks and credit unions. So, And then, then you have Arkansas Capital Corporation. You oh, have yeah. uh, Communities Unlimited. You have Forge. You have, um, you know, and People Trust. So why was yours going to be different? Well, we're the only minority. Um, that's what I was going to say. You're the only one that's really down in the trenches that understands what's going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I won't say that because, I mean, I'm, they they they've all been doing this work. Uh, just different types. I was going to say yours is community type specific. Yeah, it's just more community mm -hmm. based, which allows us to be. So, able what's to have the criteria to get a loan for you? Um, you have to have the show the ability to repay the loan. So you have to have uh -huh. a job. You know, if you have a job and you can uh, repay the loan, then you know. What if uh, somebody you know, wants to start a new business? If they want to start a new business, they come see us, and then we can get, provide them with some technical assistance to see where they are in the process and what Help we need to do. Business yeah, because sometimes there are different stages. You know, if you a startup, you may need to know how do I go and get a business license? Where do I go to get a you know? Art, what are what does the LLC? What is the C corp? What's the S corp? You know, these different things we have to work through and help them to understand. So if they come in the front door, is that how they do it? They just come yeah, in the just front walk door, in. Yeah. and then there's somebody lovely and friendly to yeah. meet them and and yeah. hold their hand. Yeah. And show up the community. Describe your day to me. My day? Uh -huh. I, I wear many hats. I do. Uh -huh. um, and then to whom much is given, much is required. I do understand that. And I and it's a oh, humbling it's a humbling nice. it's a humbling thing for me. So um, I'm leaving here. I'm going to the Barber College and just so you know, because we have a office space there for people trust, then I can walk into people trust and check and see how things are going as well. I have a staff, we're a staff of ten with people trust. So we had 10 with People Trust, and we have eight employees with Washington Barber College. So between my staff, I lean on my staff a lot to help me with, um, you know, being able to do everything, you know, compliance as well as um, talking to customers. Very important for low-income communities to have mechanisms on the ground that can, that, can, that can deal with the government, that can, you know, CDFIs, that can talk to state and local government and, and help uh, be an intermediary mm -hmm. for critical resources that, mm -hmm. that wouldn't otherwise reach these uh, communities. And so because these communities have went so long without having that, then they just fall deeper and deeper into poverty. And violent crime is, a so, is, is you know, is directly, and, and also health um, disparity, health mm -hmm. issues as well, are directly tied to poverty. And, mm -hmm. you know, you know, so so whenever you have these these uh, concentrated areas of poverty, then that's where you experience a lot of the, you know, so things Howard, that we I, I did hear you talk a little bit about that. You were talking about, you know, financial literacy, healthy diets, critical thinking, mm -hmm. you know, don't go to jail and stuff. So are you teaching all of that, too? Well, um, we we provide financial education. You know, one thing about financial education people uh -huh. need to understand is it does touch every part of your life. So it's not just, you know, we, we talk about the financial psychology, mm -hmm. you know, as to uh, how money scripts are created, how, you know, understanding, you know, your credit score, um, budgeting, savings, investing, things of that nature. Uh, just kind of it, it covers every area of your life. So when we have financial education workshops, we provide one-on-one -on -one financial education. We can take a deep dive into that person's life and see what the life circumstance is. And then at that point, meet them where they are. I watched hmm. your speech you gave. Uh-huh. And the very beginning of the speech, it struck a chord with me. They said a better community couldn't be done. The poor are lazy. They don't like to work. They keep having babies to get more welfare money. They buy stuff they don't need and can't afford. 
like big screen televisions, etc. They abuse the social system. They don't value education. Take away the services, and the poor will be forced to be productive like the rest of us. We found jobs. We got through school. We work hard and budget. We've gotten ahead. Why can't they? This is the narrative we often hear. Generational poverty is poverty that is inherited across generations. A mentality that there is no way for one to get out of poverty. Hopelessness is the key factor in creating the cycle from one generation to the next. Breaking the cycle of generational poverty. They said a better community couldn't be done. My name is Arlo Washington. I'm the founder and president of People Trust Community Loan Fund. I understand the phrase by the Reverend Jesse Jackson, keep hope alive. Growing up in a single parent home, experiencing generational poverty and hope is all we had. At the very end of it, you told the story of four people. Oh, story of somebody. The story of somebody. Everybody. Everybody. Somebody. Nobody. Anybody. Anybody. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Have you heard this before? No, Brian? that's clever though. Okay, I just love this. So there was an important job to, to do, and everybody was asked to do it. Everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody would have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody would do it, but nobody realized that anybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Oh, yeah, that's good. Isn't that good? It's clever. It's so it's clever. It's true, though. I mean. Yep. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Mm-hmm. I was like, dang, yeah. I get that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I will say this about poor people. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> and not just poor people. Even yeah. people I know. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. Stay married. It is proven fact that if you continue to jump from relationship to relationship, it will keep you from reaching some of your... But even uh, then, that's a resource you have to have to keep it together. What? Marriage. Well, no, 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 no finance, no romance. Yeah. I mean, money problems are a big reason why marriage is... And sometimes you just need therapy, and who can Mm -hmm. afford that, you know? But sometimes, and I mean, I have friends who have done this who just go well that got tough i'm getting out yeah oh yeah yeah right well and tough is fair and t- and, and and you know i just think we're too quick sometimes to mm-hmm. not stick through that and so you're yeah. like well they shouldn't have done that to me and so yeah. you know my ego gets in the way yeah. but if you really want to build generational wealth yes. mm-hmm. try to stay married if you can two is better than it's one. cheaper mm-hmm. two is better than one it's cheaper to go to counseling than it mm-hmm. is to get divorced yeah mm-hmm. um and it's good for your kids. Absolutely. It creates that generational wealth that yeah. you were, we've been talking yes, about because absolutely. you're not splitting it up and then dad's married yeah. somebody else and then he dies and that yeah. girl gets all the money. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, that's one. Um, you know, and there's just some simple things that I think people can do, mm-hmm. you know, like get to work on time. Yeah. That I think, you know, I'm amazed how many people I have to tell them that yeah. they have to come to work on time. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, labor force is, you know, uh, taking a hit, you know, with the pandemic and but prior you know, to that, a lot of stuff. Yeah. college graduates yeah. come to work for me, and yeah. I go, you know, you got to come to work on time, and you yeah. can't be stoned. And they're like, oh, yeah. really? Well, you can't teach work ethic, you know. You got to, I mean, you know, you have to kind of have that work ethic. How do you teach that though? Well, I Simple mean, they have things. Something have to be in, you know, no, I think you can, because I teach that to people all the time, know? and they're like, oh, 
like crazy. Yeah. And I bet you do too. I and do. I, I'm just going to so say. I, take the, I retract that. I know, I retract right? You're teaching <laughs> it all the I time. I teach it all the time. I do. So I do think that it's parents' responsibility yes. to teach their children good work ethic, yeah. get to work on time, responsibilities, Absolutely. all those things that you were saying. Absolutely. So what do you want our listeners to take away from this interview today? Well, I want the listeners to be aware that their, you know, community development financial institutions are are critical organizations in your community. And if you have one, you know one, you know, if you don't know them, get to know them, find out because, you know, they can provide uh, access to capital, access to credit and financial products and services, developmental services, uh, financial education, technical assistance if you're starting your small business. And then also, you know, CDFIs are critical to the state as well because they can um, – they can work with the state to help the state to be able to deploy critical resources to hard to penetrate communities and hard and and, and also uh, communities that lack investment. Um, uh, banks, you know, are partners of CDFIs. We have several bank partners, uh, to name a few: First National Bank, uh, big supporters of ours; um, uh, First uh, First Horizon Bank, um, uh, Bank of Little Rock. Um, uh, who else? Who else? Regions Bank. Uh, Regions Bank's big. They just uh, they they did a. A, a grant for us to be able to, you know, support our work as well. Um, and, and, and Home Bank of Arkansas, you know, was one of the first banks that, that took uh, a chance and gave us our first uh, investment to be able to make small loans as well. So, you know, and, and, if, and those I may have failed to mention because we have several partners. We were awarded a Google grant to provide loans to uh, women-owned, minority-owned small businesses. Here's your gift, U.S. and Arkansas flag. I should have put New York in there, I guess. Thank you. That's a desk set. Every banker yeah. needs a desk set. In addition, yeah. every banker needs a lapel pin with the U.S. Oh, and Arkansas wow. state flag. Look you can't you. be a banker without a lapel pin. I appreciate it. You probably Thank already you so have much. one. Well, hey, you know what? Now I got two. <laughs> <laughs> there you yeah. go. Thank you for spending time with us. We hope you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening. And that whatever it is will help you up your independence, your business, or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy. For links to resources you heard discussed on today's show, go to flagandbanner.com, select radio show, and choose today's guest. If you'd like to sponsor this show or any show, contact me, Gray, that's G-R-A-Y at flagandbanner.com. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week. Stay informed of exciting upcoming guests by subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast wherever you like to listen. Carrie's goal is simple, to help you live the American dream.